Welcome to the Elevate Media Podcast with your host, Chris Anderson. In this show, Chris and his guests will share their knowledge and experience on how to go from zero to successful entrepreneur. They have built their businesses from scratch and are now ready to give back to those who are just starting. Let's get ready to learn, grow, and elevate our businesses. And now your host, Chris Anderson. All right, welcome back to another recording of the Elevate Media Podcast. I am Chris Anderson, your host. And today we're bringing on entrepreneurs who've been there, who started something, have become successful at what they've done. Today's no different. And we're going to dive into Ryan Estes's journey on starting Kitcaster and Wildcast. And I'm really excited to hear more about his journey, obstacles he's overcome, and challenges he has faced, but endured through. So hopefully you can take some of that with you, learn something, get some motivation and encouragement, and maybe even learn a tip or trick to how to overcome some stuff in your own journey. So Ryan, welcome to the Elevate Media Podcast. Chris, thank you so much. I really appreciate being here and I appreciate you taking the chance on Ryan Estes's. That is right. Oh my goodness. I, I realized it's about to come out of my mouth. I'm like, this is going to be bad. So, you get halfway through that. You're like, oh my gosh. Yeah. But <laughs> no, yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah. You know, where to start first, we were talking before we hit record was that Ryan has a purple belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and not everyone you meet does that. So first, what got you into mixed martial arts? I'm just curious what got you into that. I just love training mm. and I probably what got me into MMA in particular was the UFC, maybe like everybody else. I was a wrestler in high school and played sports and stuff like that. And then after, after high school, you don't really have this opportunity to compete. Right. So you go into the gym, you're doing CrossFit, you're doing all this kind of different stuff. And it's just like, ah, something's missing. So for a long time, I was really excited to give jujitsu a shot, but um, in a former life, I was a musician, a songwriter, and I okay. played guitar. And I was always concerned Ooh. that like, any kind of striking or any kind of things might damage my hands. And then I couldn't play. And then what am I going to do if I can't play? Which that fear was totally unwarranted. I've never had a finger injury in jujitsu, a lot of other things, but never a hand. So it was probably 13, 14 years ago. Finally, I was like, you know what? I'm going to give it a shot. Went to Easton's training center. That was down on Old South Broadway in Denver, a third and Broadway. It's just a little strip mall place. Uh, Eastern Training Center. Now they moved over on Santa Fe. And it's this gigantic thing huh. that's extraordinary. But at the time, it was just a, a mat, no locker rooms. You just go in there and give it a shot. So the first yeah. day, I think I was completely gassed and turned green in the warm up. And my instructor, John, came up to me and he's, I'm going to show you like this is when you need to tap. So he got a, a, mm. a quick like little cross choke on me and he's now tap when you feel the pressure i tapped immediately i was like okay i there's something to this and just proceeded to get ragdolled for several years until slowly my skills developed and one of the cool things that i love about jujitsu is it it truly is merit-based there's no mm. skipping belts there's no buying belts like you have to go through the pain to to proceed and so everybody yeah. goes through the same journey so there's a, a great meritocracy that exists within the jujitsu community on top of that you can spar at 100 percent, which is pretty fun yeah that's awesome that's really cool and yeah me sports growing up i did much more shorts for a year or two before i found out i had a broken vertebrae had spinal fusions put that on the back burner just for safety's sake but i think we can glean a lot from sports and mixed martial arts, even in the business world. So how have you seen on your journey with 
starting Kitcaster and Wildcast, some of those correlations between sports, between mixed martial arts, maybe the disciplines or whatnot, between that and your entrepreneurship journey? I, anything I think you do, we'll put it this way, anything you do, you develop a fluency over time. And with fluency, you can develop a virtuosity. So I'm always interested in things that I can gain fluency in. Martial arts happens to be one that is infinitely deep. So when I talk about you can gain a fluency in jujitsu, what happens is the more you train, the more deep you get into the sport, the more you start to see everything as a reference for jujitsu. Mm. So in business, for example, you, there's a saying in, in uh, jujitsu, which is position before submissions. Okay. So it's as opposed to like grabbing someone's arm, trying to pull an arm bar, what you need to do is make sure that all of your positioning is in line so that you're not getting something sloppy. So mm. that kind of like awareness of like when you're grappling becomes something in business. Hey, I'm not going to go straight for the jugular. I'm going to make sure that I have a strong position. So for me, that kind of translates into launches. Let's make sure we launch. Like I'm going to go for a submission, but I'm going to make sure that I'm in the proper position first. And it's a balancing act, right? Because yeah. if you spend so much time on position, you do have a ticking clock. Right. You're going to have to go for it. You're going to have to commit. You're going to have to do it. So there's a great correlation there for launching products on my end, because mm -hmm. one of the things I've seen in business is a lot of people will get to the goal line and then fumble. They don't mm -hmm. push it in. They don't launch. What they'll do is just like meagerly put their thing out there and try and grow it like that, which can work much slower. But there's something admirable about launching your product, warts and all. I'm going <laughs> for this. I'm, I'm sticking my neck out there. I'm going to stand behind this product and I'm going to go for it. And that's the exact same thing you have to do with jujitsu. Now, the stakes in business can be very high because when you launch a product, you're really putting your name into the world of, hey, this is what I'm doing and people are going to pick it apart. And we have this close association with our projects that like if people are picking apart my project, they're picking apart me and mm. now you want to fight about it <laughs> one way or the other. <laughs> so with jujitsu, I can practice, so to speak, a launch all the time. I can practice going for a submission and failing. I can practice yep. going for submission and succeeding. I can see how the proper preparation and putting myself in position for this submission is going to pay off. So it, it becomes a fluency. And that's mm -hmm. just one aspect. But every single component, the way you tie your belt, the way you show up to the mat, it becomes a metaphor for how you show up in life in all kinds of different other ways. And that's something that I actually learned through music. When you're playing a lot of music, you start to see the world in terms of like melody and harmony and rhythm. And this is something that's infinitely deep. And at some point, you have a virtuosity where truly you can express yourself fully within this kind of language of whatever it may be, whether it's music or it's jujitsu or it's flower arranging or it's whatever you're really into. I think that's the wonderful thing about hobbies, for lack of a better word, is that they become the way that we interpret the world. Yeah. And I think that's those are great correlations. And even with the difficulties of business and launches and things like that. I'm curious within any of your sparring or competitions within mixed martial arts, were you ever in a, in a precarious situation where you thought you might have to tap, but at the last minute, either you were able to get out of their hold or whatever it was to actually win? Have you had any of those moments yet? All the time. The, yeah. the times that I remember that I should have 
tapped are the ones that resulted in injuries. Oh. So from the defensive position, that's there's real consequences with jujitsu. The nice thing is that everybody in there is on the same a buddy system, which is I tap, man, stop. And they always do. I've never had anybody go hard after a tap. And that's doing jujitsu maybe almost 15 years now. Yeah. So there's always an opportunity to that you can quit, which again, right. I think correlates really well with business. Yeah. Talking about like our projects and our businesses being very close to us and that we identify as I'm a guy who does this thing because I went out and launched it. Now everybody's looking at me. All my friends and family are like, what's going on with this? What's going on with that? Where in your heart, you're like, there's no future for this, but we'll hold on to those projects. In my case, maybe a year, maybe two years that I'm working on something and I know it's doomed. But the reason I persist is because I'm associating my self-worth with the success of this project, which is just pure vanity and ridiculous. In the same way, jujitsu, like someone has you, I have a shoulder that I've been working on for four or five years to rehabilitate for just this reason, where someone had me in an omoplot and I was like, I'm not tapping. I'm not. And it wasn't that it wasn't in deep. It was like, I don't want this guy to have the satisfaction of tapping me. Pure vanity. (laughs) (laughs) I'm associating myself and my self-worth with my ability to win in jujitsu, particularly right now against this person right here. And tweak my shoulder. So I've mm. had this injury now for four or five years in the same way of holding on to a business project too long and you accumulate the debt or you accumulate yeah. whatever it yeah. is, the loss of time and money because you're just too vain to tap. So learning like, hey man, when you're beat, get out of there because the second you tap, you start fresh and you can yeah. have an opportunity to, to go again. So it, it, the physical act of tapping or the act of like killing a project when it's not going to work really comes from like an emotional perspective and some self-work you have to do, which is to disassociate your identity with the thing that you're working on or the, the person you're presenting. Allow yourself to be born, die, and reborn into new projects all the time. One challenging thing I think about that is particularly with friends and family mm. where they get worn out. And they don't understand what you do or what's going on anymore. And so they just give up, which is okay. Just going to be like, Chris, I don't know what he's up to. He's always doing something new. Anyway, back to the barbecue. Yeah. I think that's a good point. Like understanding, understanding the limits either of yourself or like you said, correlation to the business. But with that too, like you have to balance that because you could give up too soon and you could miss that ability to slip out that, that hold that you're in. So like, how do you, or what would you suggest? How do people know the difference? Yeah, this might be a little uncomfortable, but right now you're not stuck. Like it's not to that point of where you need to tap versus needing to tap. Is there a guiding light kind of thing within this of push through the challenge versus, okay, this one's done and let's start again. Yeah, absolutely. For me, I have just gut chuck moments all the time Mm -hmm. where, and I put kind of these, this dug a moat around me because I know that I can't really trust myself. <laughs> I'll lie to myself to keep doing what I'm doing, even though if I'm being belligerent and stupid. So for me, it's got to check a couple boxes. What I'm working on in business, it has to be fun. It has to be of service and it has to make money. And then the right. last one is, am I the right person to bring this for- forward right now? Mm. And everything has to align in order for me to do it. If it's fun, I'm just like generally like only attracted to doing things that are fun. So if it's not fun, I just won't do it. And I know I won't. I I believe that it's important for me to make a difference on the world. 
in a positive way as best I can, or at, at very worst, not make anything worse. So it has to be of service and it has to make money because I only have so much time. I'm 45 mm -hmm. now. I got kids in high school. I got a social security number and bills to pay. If I didn't, if I wasn't profit motivated, then honestly, I would probably be making figurines in my garage and doing like little train sets and stuff. Right. So I have to be committed to making money. So if okay. it falls in line with all three, three of those things, I'm in a good position. That last one's important though, is like, am I the guy to do this? Am mm. I the guy to do this right now? If it's not, then maybe there's an opportunity for exit, particularly if it's profitable and everything else is firing. But usually if it's checking all three of those boxes, it's fun, it's of service, it's making money. And I, I will feel like I, I am the right person. Maybe I'm the only person that can do this right now. So I'm going to do it. And once I've got that aligned behind me, then my focus becomes to be the best in the world because I don't want to be mid at anything. I don't want to strive for mid of the pack. I'm like, right. I want to be the best in the world at this. What's it going to take for me to be best in the world at whatever this project that I've now validated? What's it going to take for me to be number one? Yeah, I think those are good things to think about when you're going on your journey in creating business, like looking at those things. I think those are all great things to be aware of and to think about as you're growing or as you're even trying to implement something. So for you, I know you mentioned the first one or one of them is it needs to be fun. So how do you have fun? What is your definition of fun within a business and growing a business? Is it doing the TikTok dances and having fun? Or what does that look like for you on your end? Yeah, no, I wish it was. I'm not much of a dancer these days. I don't know. What is fun? It's just a feeling of I want to approach this. Mm. Like I'm intrigued enough by the challenge because business is brutal. And oftentimes you do wake up on Monday. Boy, it's going to be that week. But there's something about the challenge. There's something about what I can do that makes it fun. There's a, there's a physical lightness that comes into my body. I can feel it in my shoulders, maybe like an upward pointing energy, almost like pins and needles, almost. That's mm -hmm. a fun feeling. There's like a, a feeling in my gut that's like a little bit gargly, like butterflies. Uh -huh. That feels fun. And if I don't have that, if I have the opposite of that, maybe a down pulling feeling or like a heat in my neck sometimes where I'm like, I, I dislike this. It's not yeah. that I'm neutral. It's like, I dislike this. Mm -hmm. That's where I'm going to start thinking about pulling the plug because yeah. just naturally before it even reaches my conscious mind, if I have those feelings emerging in my body, I'm just going to tend to stay away from them in the same way that like maybe anything outside of business that I don't want to do, I'm going to try and just avoid <laughs> from a subconscious level. So in some sense, I'm trying to align my subconscious and somatic experience with my body with my kind of conscious mind of, no, this is exactly what I want to do. And I enjoy doing it. That's awesome. Yeah, I think and it's super neat that you're so aware that I think others, myself included, could all improve our awareness of that because life is short. And if you can't enjoy it, if you're not, that energy is all negative all the time and you're just sitting in that, it's it's almost not really worth it. And so with that, I kind of, kind of, again, tying into mixed martial arts and everything, just because I, I, I find that interesting. When you're in the ring, when you're sparring, it's not just a straight, straight up throwing punches continuously. You're not, not always going for the takedown. Like sometimes it's dance and with the other person to find that, that opening or find that moment to strike. So with business, when you're talking about launches, like how do you do that dance? How do you know? When you see an opportunity 
to be able to strike and to be able to launch that? Oh man, that's tough. A lot of the, the fun place to me is there's, if we're talking about fluency and we're talking about virtuosity, occasionally that'll open up in business. Mm. Maybe you have that feeling where you sit down at your desk and you rip through 75 emails. You do four different things. You're going from video editing to LinkedIn ads, to a podcast interview, to meetings with staff. And you're just executing every single thing very precisely and being able to context toggle that everything works. Mm-hmm. Like those moments, that's really what's fun for me to work is where I feel mm-hmm. like I'm at the very tip top of my game and I'm able to do, to dive in with focus and commitment to each thing and move through it uh, like with precision. Okay. The thing is though, I know that is very rare. I might have like six or seven hours like that a month. Mm. So really all of my work is to facilitate that is I'm going to slog through. I'm going to push to get through all of this stuff that's hard. It's, oh, sometimes emails are really hard. Sometimes just having another meeting is really hard. When it's, I don't feel like I'm at tip top of my game, but what I'm doing is putting myself in a position where like I'm taking care of everything that needs to be done. So when this moment arrives, you could just call it the muse, for lack of a better term, you're absolutely teed up and ready to go to facilitate that. It's very similar in jujitsu. If you're trying to train three, four times a week, you're going to have weeks that suck that you're going to just get smashed. You're going to get, you're going to get a rash on your face. You're going to get your nose busted up. You're going to crack a rib. All these things are terrible. And then you'll have this one uh, session where you have four or five rounds and you are just doing that dance. And the joy of that feeling like invincible and feeling like everything you're trying is working and all your your feints and everything that you're trying to, you've been working on happens and it Mm. comes together. And I think that those moments are so precious that it makes the struggle worth it. Ultimately, maybe this is a a masochistic kind of way to look at it, but this guy, Steve Ranella, who's got a show called meat eater. He had this great quote where he said, the things that are really fun are only fun in hindsight. So if you have a threshold of fun, one to 10 is your Delta. And let's say a roller coaster, the best roller coaster in the world is probably about a four of fun. So what's a 10? A 10 might be that three-day hunting experience you had in a blizzard where you thought you were going to die and you had to rescue your horses out of there. You get them home. Two weeks later, you're in your bed and you're like, wow, (laughs) that was awesome. (laughs) So I think once you become accustomed to that kind of fun, you're in trouble. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, trying to live up to that level of fun constantly. <laughs> yeah. No, I think this has been, yeah, I think there's such a correlation to life and sports. And I think that's why I see a lot of successful individuals had some sort of connection to sports or, or competing in something. Just, I think that, that drive to continue to improve and do better and understanding a loss is just that and you move forward and you learn from it. So I think there's so much that we can take away from that. And even if you're not in sports, there's, like you said, music, you, the harmony and the melody, you can learn from that and correlate it to business as well. So if you're talking to someone who's starting out or they're new on their journey, what would be three things that you would bestow upon them to help them overcome those beatings that they might take in the ring of business? Yeah. 
we'll keep it in this vein. I think one thing is to not be ashamed about what you're into and realize whatever you're interested in can become an allegory for everything else you're doing. So once you've freed yourself up from any kind of guilt about what you're really into, which is collecting stamps or maybe it's Pokemon cards or whatever it is, is go deeply into it. Go hard in what you're interested in. The corollary of how it pays off in the end Maybe you don't need to have your three-check system like I do, that money right now isn't the most important thing. I have a lot of responsibilities. <laughs> if you don't, take the time to go deep on something. You have that awesome Captain America shield and also the Indiana Jones whip and hat. I see that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if you're a Marvel guy, you're like, boy, I really like Marvel. And maybe yeah. you got friends like, why are you watching all those movies? Why are you collecting all those comic books? Blah, 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 blah. But if you go hard on Marvel and you really start to understand the depth of all those characters and how all those characters correlate into the voices inside your own head, and you can mm -hmm. start to think about to yourself of who's showing up today for work. Is it Iron Man? Is it Hulk? What's going on? There's different ways that you can interpret anything that you're into to be uh, relevant, to be, there's a fluency of how you see the world based on to the, the things you're into. And it can be absolutely anything. So if you're lo looking for fluency, then also realize that you have virtuosity as its next door neighbor. That 10,000 hours into whatever you're into, you start yeah. to develop virtuosity so that you can start to use whatever you're into as a sandbox to test out. And if you're lucky, you're, you're creating a safe environment where you can fail over and over again. Maybe it's video games. You can fail over and over again, learning all the way, but also realizing how to disassociate yourself and your identity from the failure but rather realizing that sometimes the failure is what makes it fun. Right. So I, I suppose if I have just a word of advice for people that are just getting started, it's like, this is a long road and know that whatever you're interested in is going, if you really go hard and, and really pursue it with your full attention and focus, it's going to pay off in business. Mm -hmm. And what's so fun about finding it in, in hobbies, let's say, is that it's a novel way. It doesn't always, it's not a direct line. And a lot of times that's just the kind of spice that makes uh, life worth enjoying. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, definitely, definitely can be spicy. <laughs> you definitely have some excitement and uh, things to, to look out for. And I think that's, it's not linear, but it, I think a lot of people, when they are looking from the exterior of successful people and their journeys, it looks linear to them. But when you zoom in it, on it, you see all <laughs> the, the rises and falls of valleys and the mountaintops. And Brian, this has been awesome. I, I love the, again, the conversation, being able to correlate it to mixed martial arts, sports and, and business. And I know you're been doing some great stuff. Like I mentioned, Kitcaster, Wildcast just recently launched. Congrats on that. That's Thanks. a big deal. People want to find out more about you, get connected with you. Where's the best place for them to do that? You bet. Best pay place is probably LinkedIn. If you search Ryan Estes, you can find me there. I'm not the handsome public speaker, Ryan Estes. I'm the other one. <laughs> so you can find me there. In brief, I appreciate you mentioning Kitcaster. Kitcasting is a, Kitcaster is a podcast booking agency. We work largely with funded startup founders, entrepreneurs with exits, C-suite executives, and we book them on other people's podcasts, the best in the world, like this podcast right here. And then Wildcast, which is gowildcast.com is a podcast advertising platform where we connect business and technology podcasts, not unlike this show right here, with the <laughs> world's iconic technology brands. So technology brands, 
come to us because they want to advertise on shows that have audiences where people are going to become customers. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we focus in technology and business podcasts. And if you're a podcaster, you want to get paid, go wildcast.com. If you want to go on podcasts, kitcaster.com. Cool. Yeah, awesome. If you guys are interested in all that, definitely check it out. If anything, just get connected with Ryan, doing a lot of cool stuff and just glean information from him. But Ryan, last thing I want to ask you before I say until next time is 10, 20 years from now, you say you have three kids. Two. Jeez. Two. I'm sorry. Oh, man. I'm adding one. Surprise. No, just kidding. Um, (laughs) 10 to to 20 years from now, with everything you're doing, with them watching, with the world watching now, but being on social media and everything like that, what legacy do you hope is shown out there? From my merits? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I In 10 years, the legacy I hope to leave are just two amazing adults that I raised from babies. My, my ambitions to change the world is only, it, it's just in my own household. I think the only way that you can really impact this world is by having children and just being loving and kind and supportive for them. I always took it to heart that my kids are growing up. It is heartbreaking, but I've had them for, I'll have them for 18 years as children. But I, what my goal was to raise competent adults because I'll have relationship with them in their adult life for hopefully 40, 50, 60 years, depending on how long I can hang in there. (laughs) So if in 10 years, my kids got their head on straight and they're positive and influential and kind people, man, I'll feel great. That's awesome. I love that. And coming from you, I understand I got two little ones as well. And one of my goals is just raise them to be good people and do great things and hopefully it'll continue to ripple out from there. It's like that, what is that quote? Plant this seed for a tree you will never see the shade of or whatnot, something kind of like that. And hopefully they continue that process long after we're not here. But Brian, again, I appreciate you sharing everything today uh, and being on the Elevate Media podcast. Thanks so much, Chris. Really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Elevate Media podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. See you in the next episode.